Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in our Johannesburg studio today is South Africa's Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Nomalungelo Gina. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Deputy Minister, I always feel so proud of the progress on people's careers. And when we first met and had an interview many, many years ago, you were at the time chairing the Portfolio Committee of Basic Education. And now here you are today, Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, in arguably one of the most critical departments to generate and stimulate the country's economy. Firstly, can you tell us about some of the objectives that you want to achieve during this term of office? Thank you very much. Maybe let me start by looking at the objectives of the department as a whole, trade and industry. As we are saying, it's one department where we are looking at how do we grow the economy of the country. It's one department that is playing a very critical role on the high levels of unemployment that the country is faced with. It's one department where we are saying, how can we open up to the communities to make sure that they play a very important role in the whole economic activities in the country? And how do we even connect what is happening within the country to the outside world from the continent to across internationally? So my very objective is, to, is, is that what is it that I will do to make sure that we do open up that space for economic activities to take place to, to in, in the country. But above all, I'm a woman. One of the objectives for me is to make sure that in all the activities, the economic activities that will be taking place, what is the role of the women, of, of women in our country? not only women, I'm also very passionate with people living with disability. What is it? How do we create space for them also to be active? Let us let, let everyone be part of what is happening in the country. Let everyone contribute in the economic activities of the country, in the economic growth of the country. So I don't wish to see, that's my objective, any sector or any grouping being left behind just because they were not exposed, they were not given those opportunity to take that critical uh, role in, in, our, in our economy. And that's such a, a strong affirmation of inclusivity exactly. because we're all citizens of this country. We all deserve a, a right and, in fact, a responsibility to play our part. Definitely so. So we've spoken about some of these core objectives that you want to deliver. What would you say are some of the challenges that you experience in the portfolio? Yeah, there are challenges. As, I, as I've said, <clears throat> DTI is such a, a very big department. All of the departments are big and they are important. But for me, one of the greatest challenges that I've seen when I first joined DTI, there are so many good programs that are there when it comes to the issue of how we're funding the emerging uh, business 
groupings, how we are supporting the black industrialists, how are we making, how are we making sure that we, we bring up that economic activism within our, 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 our communities. The greatest challenge that I've seen when I've arrived is that the programs within the department are not that much known. So we need more awareness. For me, as the department, we need more awareness. We have got so many entities that are working, that are assisting people. But for me, what is more critical is to say, how do we let ourselves known? I, I wish to reach a point where wherever you are in the corners of South Africa, whether in the deepest rural area, when you ask a person about what is it that DTI is doing, he can be able to say, oh, you mean that department? That department, we get this one, two, and three. We can be assisted. DTI has done one, two, and three, of which is not yet. We are not yet there. It's not what we find. What we found when we, when we go out there to the community. So it's one area where I'm saying as DTI, I think, how we disseminate information, how do we let people know us, the role that we are playing. I, I believe we are playing a very critical mm -hmm. role, but once we do that, it could be a breakthrough even to the people outside there to say, e-government is there, e-department is there, is there for us, is there to assist us. And really, I can assure you, once we win that, so many people will be assisted. And in part, I guess that's what the media platforms like this can help offer for, for generating so. that, that exposure. That's a relationship that we need to build even with people like you so that we can disseminate that information. Yeah. One point that I wanted to touch on, you spoke about the objectives of being able to open up markets of not just from what we're doing in South Africa, but going across our borders and, and into the continent. We've got aspects like the continental free trade agreements. Can you just expand a bit on some of those policies and how we're starting to foster greater trade into the continent. Yeah, that's one area that we are very excited about where we saw that agreement being signed, the African Continental Free Trade Era in May, if you remember very well, where most of the countries in South Africa has signed on that one. And we are looking forward is to say once it is up and running is in place, we are going to be seeing our own business people, our own manufacturing within South Africa, opening up to trade with other African countries. And what is even more important is that through that agreement, we'll be building that African, that continental economy. And what is important when we look at that agreement, we are saying we don't want to see African countries competing. It's one agreement where we are saying, as the continent, how are we going to cooperate? How are we going to complement each other? How can we build this African economy together? Then it will even give us more muscle as African countries, even to trade with other countries out uh, across the borders outside of our mm. continent. And it's one thing that we have seen most of our president, even President Ramaphosa, is looking at that. Yes, I won't be talking on the issues of the currency that we are using, but we know basically once we start doing that, we build this economy together, there will be less competition even when it comes to 
the issue of the currencies that you are using as, as Africa, you see, it, it, it's, it's a road leading to that. So it's one policy that is very exciting to us as South Africans, to us as the Department of Trade and Industry, because we are going to be playing a very critical role even to open up the markets to our manufacturers, to whatever that, whatever that you are trading and you know the agreement is to say there will be that free trade within the african countries but if i'm saying free it's not just an open check definitely there will be regulations as to say what is it how how do you do it but it's one policy that is very exciting agreement that we have reached it sounds very very positive and often we we hear about some of the dynamics on doing business that cutting through the red tape is is a massive hurdle so by having this free trade agreement across the continent, it will improve sustainability and stimulate economic stimulate development. Definitely so. Turning now towards women, I know that you'd mentioned women as a, as a passion point as, as well as persons with disabilities on, on being in the minority. Financial independence contributes to the empowerment of women and therefore women's participation in the labor force has important macroeconomic contributions. But globally, when we look around the private sector, women tend to be underpaid in comparison to their male counterparts. In South Africa, the figure sits at around 23% less. They work in lower ranking roles and they're overrepresented in the unskilled labor force. Can you tell us about some of the programs that the Department of, of Trade and Industry has to empower women economically? There are quite a number of them. Firstly, let me talk by, uh, to one policy that we have within the department, that one of triple B. Triple B. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's one thing that we are very, we are guarding against it very jealously, as to say, is it being applied the way it, it should be? You know, because when you look at the pillars of triple B, women are at the center of that. We must make sure it's one thing that we look at. Looking, you mentioned, you made mention even of the private, uh, private sector, where we are very much concerned as to say, being private sector, being private as they are, but are they adhering to the principles of triple BEE? And it's one area I can assure you, it's one unit that is very active within the department to make sure that they do those follow-ups. We were very disturbed, as we are saying, even this year with the with the report that we are getting. I think we are even below 20% now, the representation of women when it comes mostly to the private sector, when it comes to the management uh, positions. And, and it's a huge it's contrast with what you've got in government. Exactly. That is why we are saying we need to make sure that we, are, we, 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 we engage them now and again. And on the side of the government, the government is doing very well. Yes, we are still not yet there where we are, but Looking at the government, really, the quotas that have been there, we're looking at the 50-50% at almost all the levels that we are in. So e-government is doing very well. But even within the government itself, let me make an example with what we've been saying uh, with the unit on BBE. You find that even with the government entities, like the boards, water boards, whatever boards that are there on the various entities that we are having, yes, we might have that percentage as to say women are there, but what troubles us even most more, you find that we have got a water board, you'll find that 
we have got SASA board, find that we have got ESCOM board and so forth. What we must look at now as women and as government as such is to say, do we have a spread of women representatives there? Let us not find Unomalunge Lugina being a member of a board at ESCOM. Then we clap hands and say there is transformation and women are being considered. When you've got one token female. Exactly. You go to another board, you'll find the same Nomalungelo there. So let us not make women a token or let us not make women tokens. Let us make sure that we spread so that we see definitely that at the end of the day, we empower quite a number of women. That is why as DTI again, talking to that point, we've got a program where we're saying we're going around the country. We are developing women in, in, in business, the cooperative women, so that we can be, we can have that upper hand when we, when we, when we challenge these institutions to say, but where are women? Why are we seeing one? Because most of the time you'll get a response to say, but we have looked around, we don't have women that are ready. So we want to have that pool of women that are ready to say, when we challenge them, if you say you don't find them, but you say we have trained them, we have got a pool there, that is exactly where we want to get into. We will have that list. We'll be very proud to say, yeah, other women that have been trained, they are qualified to make use of them. So that's exactly where we are as DTI now. And going from board level to cooperatives, I know that there's often a, a fine line between small business versus a d- department of, of trade and industry. Are there any specific programs that help women in, in rural areas? With their they are, definitely. I will make just one example. You know, I'm very excited. Just yes, two days ago, or currently, in a party still sitting in, in Devon, where women in agri, the agripreneurs of, 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 of uh, women in, 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 in agriculture, the, uh, the agripreneurs, are, are gathered there to say what is it that we can do as women of the continent seated together. It's one angle where, as DTI again, we are playing a very critical role in. Yes, as we are saying, for me, as we are saying, there is a very thin line between Department of Small Business. I will say there is a very thin line between almost all the departments that we are working in as government, but we are forging ahead with the cooperation, the interdepartmental relation as we work with these programs. Like that one, there's also a very thin line between us, DTI, Small Business and Agriculture, Department of Agriculture. Because yes, agriculture will be there working with those farmers, whether emerging farmers or not, but we're not folding our arms as to say, yes, agriculture is working there, they are producing. Once they produce, where Where do do they they sell? Exactly. We get in, we're opening up market opportunities. We are getting in as to say, when we come to the level of agro-processing, where do you take their products to? So that very interrelationship between the departments is very critical. So definitely as the Department of Trade and Industry, we are taking a a keen interest when it comes to those cooperatives. We are taking a keen interest when it comes to those emerging farmers. Let me make another example. We were in that uh, uh, summit, you find they are exhibiting go to one stand, very beautiful project they are saying, Deputy Minister, we need funding, we need machines because we want to produce peanut butter. 
and they sit there with beautiful bottles. You taste it is tasty. But then our interest will go as, as follows. Yes, we are producing, producing this peanut butter. It's good work. The department must assist. But for me, what is important, it's also the whole issue of a value chain. Where to even source these peanuts that you are producing, uh, we are producing your peanut butter with. Then you'll get a response like, hey, we have to go to these uh, uh, big uh, companies like I want many, maybe boxers or what, what to, to source the peanut butter. Then the question will be, that a relationship that you are talking about. We need to go to the Department of Agriculture and say, Agriculture, we are the women that are, that are plowing the peanuts. What is it that we can do to link them with that? So that even when we come and fund as the department, as government, but we know that we are starting the value chain from where it starts. We know that there are those who are producing it. Department of Agriculture has sponsored them. Yes, they have produced, they have, you know, they are taking to these ones now that are processing that we are funding them. It will cost that whole value chain it's shaking the economic activities, you know, from the one who has been planting, he knows very well, or they know, those who know very well that their product is going somewhere, it's going to be taken. The market is open from the beginning of the value chain up until we even export that peanut butter. So that's the way that we always sit down within with other departments and say, what is it that we can do together to make sure that we shake and shape the way our economy is is, is, is working in and the it, country. it brings together aspects of sustainability. And increasingly, in the past, we always used to think of value chains as this beautiful linear system. But now it really is about network systems that you are going into this direction, shifting across into another direction. They all feed into exactly. the system. They all feed into it. It's an ecosystem. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, and circular economy. Yeah. You were listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band. Also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Nomalungelo Gina. Deputy Minister, drawing on your background in education, you were previously chairing the, the Committee on, on Basic Education and now as Deputy Minister of, of Trade and Industry where you, you're seeing the wealth of, of knowledge and, and the impact that it has on people. We know that education is a vital tool to empower individuals and societies and even basic levels of, of literacy and numeracy have had profound effects on the well-being of women, benefits from greater control on fertility rates, to reduce child mortality, to improved health management, uh, as well as poverty reduction. And in fact, UNESCO indicates that an additional year of schooling improves a 10% yield on earnings. Do you think that we're doing enough to ensure that this knowledge is preached to every forum possible and passed from mothers to daughters, particularly in underprivileged communities? Is there enough that I, I'm not sure <laughs> whether I will answer you well? Yes, but there is something that we are doing, but I don't think we are there yet. But though, as we are saying, I'm coming from the background of basic education, where the issue of education has been highly, is always highly emphasized. 
remember even that department when it comes to how do we even open up the opportunity to, to those who did not get a chance even to get those education opportunities. I will just cite one program that was very good from the base Department of Basic Education and I wish it can even continue whether in another form or not. There was a, a program where the department was opening up for some kind of education, the, the literacy programs, and most especially it was focusing on people in the rural areas. And looking at the intake to that program, mostly it was women in the rural areas. It was one of the SDGs uh, priority or goals that we must eradicate illiteracy in the country and the Department of Education, Basic Education embarked on that program of which it came to an end I think two or a year or two years ago because when the, the, the survey was done almost everyone had an opportunity to do, to do that. I'm mentioning that because it's one program that exposed a lot of women open up I will be biased and say women, not that it was open up for women, but as I'm saying, going to those deep rural areas, you find that those classes, it was full of women because most of the time it was women that were very much disadvantaged, not even to know how to count, how to write their names and so forth. And by so doing, what I even liked, whilst they were going into those classes, next to that, the, the department makes sure that there is sort of a crash where they can take their grandchildren, uh, their, their, their children too, whilst they are also embarking on and the issues of education. such an enabler. I, 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 I'm telling you, it, it was a very nice program of which I really thank the Department of Basic Education and the whole government of South Africa for doing that. It was a game changer, quite a lot of it, because it's one of the classes where they were not only learning how to read and write, but to count, to, you know, the basic mathematical skills, even doing practical examples to say when you are selling your cabbages, this is what you are getting. I mean to say those are such programs that we are saying, even if the Department of Basic Education do, has, has stopped to, 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 to that program, but even other departments, we can have such a kind of classes where we are saying those who, had, who didn't get a chance to... to, 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 to to be exposed to education, but on what we are doing as the department, there is something that you can do to educate the people. As I've said when we started, one of the challenges is that people do not know much of our departments. For me, that's education. You go there, you make those public participation, people are getting to know. The education is so broad, you know. I don't even mean when I don't even think when you mean education it's because you want them to be able to write their names or, or not. But we are saying how do we educate our communities on what the government is offering, on what various departments are doing. So for me, I will really concur with you. Education is a tool that can bring change to our communities out there. And in that example you cited, it it sounded as though it had such incredible impact on economic empowerment. Definitely did. That these women did. could then go forwards and improve themselves, improve their business, improve their economies. Yes. We've touched base on some of the work the government has done in our conversation today. Looking back, we're now 26 years into our democracy. 
Do you think that as a country we're in the right place that we'd imagined, or rather you'd imagined, pre-1994? Yeah, there are great strides that we've made as a country. There's so many changes that we have brought to, our government has brought to, 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 to the country. Yes, I know we're still, we're still faced with all these challenges, mostly we, we term it these triple challenges, that of poverty, unemployment and, and, and inequality. But when you look at the journey that we have traveled, really, there's so much. We're seated here now even talking to how far, how best can we even further emancipate women. We've talked to the issues of quotas that are there. We see women, we see women now holding those powerful positions, of which those are the things that we have, will never dream of. We see the level of illiteracy decreasing drastically in the country. Those are the opportunities that have been open. We see the quality of education that we are in. Yes, we, are still, we still have a long way to go, but the great strides that have, we, have, we have taken as a country, look at the health facilities that we have, the health system as, as, as a whole, that evolution, you know, there's so much that I can say our, our government has delivered to, to, South Africa, to the South Africans, to the country as a whole. Yes, there are so many other challenges. Uh, but the strides that we are taking, even on uh, economic activities, we know that one thing that we always say, we did, we did get our political freedom, but when it comes to economic freedom, we are not yet there. But really, looking at the programs, the assistance that the government is giving to our people, we are on the right track. It's a challenge. We are, we are coming from a, a very low background. For us to climb that ladder, it will take sometimes, but really with the strides that are there, I know, again, looking at me like that, you will say, you go out there in the public, they will talk of issues of corruption and, and so forth. Those are the things, again, that we are seeing our government hard on is to say, let us uproot this corruption because it's really hindering so many things that a government could be achieving. And looking at the sixth administration that we are in, we are, I, I strongly believe, taking from what has been happening, even from other administrations, we are in the right track. Yes, there are things here and there that we need to look at. And as we are saying, are we getting there? I'm happy even to share with you that as the Department of Trade and Industry right now, when we look at the economic activities and what is it that we can do to make sure that people strive and you know they use whatever they have. We are busy right now on the consultation, sort of public participation, where we're trying even to revive the economy, the survival co economy that we have. Economies like things like stock fails that we have, things like cooperatives, just to say how those things can be regulated to make sure that our people do see the benefits of them, of, of, of such activities. You can go to whatever rural area, wherever, in the, all the corners of South Africa. That's where our women are strong at. But as government, what is it that we're getting in there to assist them? Go as it's going to, towards the end of the year. You'll mm -hmm. find them, they're very excited. They'll be going to those Docsfell, getting and a lot of money. But these are social policies. That is social policy. So we are getting into that space again as to say, how best can we get in and assist them 
when it comes to that that economy what how best can we make it to work even better for them what can we do even to drive them to think in a better form because for an example what thing what is always disturbing the we we play let me put myself there because that is where i come from we play this stock file we put money at the end of the year we go and buy bulks and bulks of food getting 10 kgs of rice at a go 5 kgs of flour we you know something that you don't you, yes, you need, but you don't need that much. If ever you were capacitated to even use what you have saved for the year for, you know, to sustain you even in a better way. So that is where we're even trying to get in as government, as DTI, to say, how best can we be part of this journey, this survival journey, this economy that our people are creating so that it can even bear more fruits, better fruits for them to, to sustain their lives moving forward. It's such an exciting portfolio that you're part of and it literally touches every single person yeah. in the country. Turning towards more of a personal uh, point of view, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective areas of, of expertise or, or career choices, whether it's in business or politics is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success? Mm, mostly what contributed to my success, definitely to start from the family. I, I, I believe everyone will say my mother has been one of the people that has driven. I will uh, uh, definitely I will start from my family background, the way I grew up. Maybe I must reveal seated here. I'm a woman, I'm a black South African, a woman West living with disability. I, I, I see you are looking at me. Yes, I do. <laughs> Look at me now. One thing, as I'm saying, the most pillar and people that have shaped me to what I am now, I will definitely say it will start from my parents, where they will say, my father specifically will say, yes, my child, you are who you are. You might not be the same like other children here in the house, but God has given you brains. You can think for yourself. You are a complete human being. So that is why even when we started, I said, I'm very passionate when it comes to women and mostly when it comes to people who are living with a disability. I know sometimes the way they can be looked at out there within the communities as if once you are not the same as other people, there's something wrong with you. I will just want to come in there and say, whether we are living with disability or not, we are a complete human being. You can prove yourself. You have got that mind that God has given you. There's so much that you can get, you can get out there. Then moving out of my family, yes, there are women, our foremothers, our leaders, our, you know, that I've always looked at. I know, leaders like Obama, Winnie Mandela, they were very inspirational to us as we grew up. You look at that woman and say, wow, I wish one day I can be brave that, like that woman. I wish that one day I can stand in front of those people, those masses, and say something. You know, those are, the, those are kind of women that we have been looking up to as we grew up, trying to, you know, by all means to say one day, 
I will reach that day where people who can stand, can be quiet, all of them, and listen to me, what I'm saying. So those are the kind of the environment that we grew in. West, growing from a very deep rural area of KwaZulu-Natal, even looking at those leaders like, oh, Mamu Winu Mandela, it's not something that you look that you, you were exposed to for, for a long time, you know. Those TVs, whenever you get a chance just to peep and look at the TV, you'll see these powerful women and we are saying, it's Mamu Tambo, it's Mamu Susulu. You know, we'll say, my goodness, how do they do it? You know, so as we grew up, we are getting exposed, we are getting into schools, we are interact with other people. You see that this is something that is doable. You try, you start, you begin to get into those student associations. You begin to say, to raise your hand in that meeting, afraid as to say, my goodness, is what am I going to say, uh, you know? Did I give much thought? Once you say a point and, no, and, and you are not being held there, you say, oh, I did it today. So it means I can do it another day. So that is how we grow up in, in, in life and getting to those associations, getting to the tertiary education, following up, getting into the student movement, coming out, going to work, joining all the labor union movements. And that is how one was built and... You, you, now and again, you feel that at least I can think, I can be recognized. Uh, you, 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 you begin to say, indeed, my parents, what were saying, I am a human being, I'm a full human being. There's much that I can do to contribute to the betterment of my country. It sounds like you, you drew on the inspiration of your parents. You drew on the aura of those iconic women who were very powerful that really struggled. Uh, for the country, for themselves, but to make and ensure that South Africa is a better place for all. What was the fire that got you into politics? <laughs> the fire that got me into politics, the, the first time that I became interested in politics, yes, my parents were, were not that much into politics, but I'm happy because we could talk with my parents. We, we could understand, as I'm saying. We could play that music of politics, uh, those songs during those times where it was said they were banned. You'd play them with a very low volume at home. Then, by then, they couldn't explain much. Why? Why are these things banned? Uh, you know? But that sparkle was there to say, what is happening? But where really... I had a breakthrough, was at my secondary school level. I was at Ohlange High School. One teacher that we had was Umamu Pumzilem Lambonguka. Wow. He was, she was a teacher at Inanda Seminary. Uh, not Inanda Seminary, at Ohlange. Whilst we were still there, it was during the, the times where the politics in KZN was quite rough. You know, you remember those years. And this woman, will call us, you know, we'll have those groupings, we'll distribute these pamphlets. We're getting those classes. So I will say, I, I'm happy because I, I know he, she doesn't even know me. I can meet him here, he won't even recognize that I was 
Helena the, during those times. So he was one woman, again, who contributed a lot in changing my thinking and my interest into politics. Then as I proceeded, I went to the University, University of Zululand. That is when then we started to be more exposed to politics, having those classes, political classes, joining our SASCO and so forth and so forth. So I can basically say my political life started when I was at the secondary school, though it was much against my family. My father did not want to hear much for you to be active in politics. One thing that he wanted is to you to get education and education, you know. But then there's nothing that you could have to have done. It has started as a You started. got the that call. Now. Yes. Mm. And lastly, as we close out the conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to girls and women that are listening to us in Africa? Yes, thank you so much. I will start with women, women of South Africa. Yes, there are challenges that you are faced with. There's so much, you know, I always say as a woman, yeah, women are the pillars. They are, they, they are the pillar of our, of, our, of, our, of, of our lives, from the family life, up to the communities and, and so forth. So I always say, let us always value the position that we have as women, the power that we have as women. We might not see it, but we do. With the struggles, the challenges that we are faced with women, we are saying, let us not despair. There's so much that is ahead of us. There's so much that is in for us. For me, it's just, let's unite. Let's always have platforms where we share our experiences and see what is it that we can do to hold each other's hands to make sure that we reach the goal that we need to. But more especially to young women, the girls out there. I think it's very rare when you find that those girls have been killed by another woman. It's a man most of the time that does it. So we are saying really if we can come together as a community in the country, in the continent as a whole, because it's not something of South Africa only, but looking even all the African countries is one struggle that you are faced with. So it's just a plea really as to say you are all human beings. We complement each other, male and female. Let us live in our countries in a very, you know, in a very warm relationship that we have, let us build our, our our continent together. We are going to make it. We'll succeed. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on our show today. And we wish you all the very best in this vital portfolio in the coming years. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Nomalongelo Kina.